German startup Edmid Materials, creator of a low-cost 3D printing process for metal parts, raises 1.9 million euros from the Industrial Technologies Fund. London-based Toffee AM secures 1.1 million euro for artificial intelligence topology optimization tool for 3D printing. Bello 3D, a supplier of 3D printers to SpaceX, raises $28 million. Israeli 3D printer startup Nanofabrica raises $4 million led by Microsoft Venture Arm. Despite global recession due to the pandemic, these four 3D printing startups managed to get funded in the last three months. This goes on to prove that innovation and viable technology has always been a favorite amongst investors. So how can the 3D printing industry leverage this to reap maximum benefit? Welcome to the first episode of AM Infocast's second series, Business Innovation in 3D Printing with Aditya Chandavarkar, co-founder of Indian 3D Printing Network and me, Abhishek Gokan, marketing head at the Indian 3D Printing Network. Our guest on today's episode is an industry stalwart who has had an extremely inspirational journey during his lifetime to get to where he is today. To sum up 41 years of his life, in a few words by him, a Vietnamese boat refugee living in a United Nations camp in Malaysia 1979, dreaming about the American dream, pitch-stopping in Denmark for 23 years before coming to America in 2002 and becoming the chief revenue officer at a leading 3D printing tech startup after working in some of the biggest tech and 3D printing companies there are, including Intel, 3D Systems and Stratasys. Introducing Mr. Tuan Tranfam, Chief Revenue Officer at Arivo, a tech startup based in Silicon Valley, California, enabling makers to create ultra-strong, lightweight, continuous carbon fiber products on demand. Let's begin. Yeah, welcome Tuan for today's call and thanks uh, for joining us uh, today to share your insights on business innovation and your inspirational journey in the 3D printing industry. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm super pleased to be here. So, Duan, uh, uh, your career has been, uh, you know, about tech sales and revenue. Uh, what would you say innovation, uh, would you say that innovation is a big driver of the revenue generally? Uh, what would, what is your thoughts on this? Um, yes, so uh, new technology is always exciting. But what I look at uh, just as is the parts that sells the printer, not the printer itself. I would say the application for every technology that I have sold, I always look at the material, what it can make, what is it, uh, prototyping, tooling, manufacturing. So it's really the application. So for the sales role, it's really finding out what can your 3D printer do and find the application and sell that application. And as more applications come online, that enables you to spread out in more verticals. So I would say revenue is very much linked to uh, application, but uh, as well as productivity of your machine. So 3D printing really has been a major part of your career, you know, right from your days at Z Corp since 2003. Uh, has it been tough driving sales for 3D printing companies with the technology being relatively new and in exploratory stages? So there's always obsolescence where there is the technology is also always moving fast. So has this been a challenge to take the technology to market because it's moving so rapidly as well? 
it has been challenging, but it's also exciting. Um, when I joined this industry back in uh, 2003 summer, um, there were, so remember I went through the journey of the whole industry for 17 years from the industry going from 1 billion in valuation for the whole industry to just 10 billion last year. So it took over 16 years to go from one to 10 billion and on track to get to a hundred billion in 15, 17 years from now. I would say it, it, the landscape was much simpler in the early days. Back in 2003, if you wanted a 3D printer for prototyping below 100,000, there was only the dimension from Stratasys and the Z-Corp machine uh, below 100,000. So I would say the landscape was simpler. There were fewer players. But I would say, uh, unfortunately, the same is still true to this day in 2020, is that, um, is that uh, people's awareness have, might have grown about 3D printing, but, but there's still a lot of education. As new technology comes online, you still have to teach them about uh, titanium or composite or ceramic. Uh, people know a lot more about the consumer prototyping now. But uh, but uh, for newer technology, industrial, there's still a lot of uh, teaching. Uh, so it's almost been a technology uh, evangelist all this time. So I would say to you during my journey, I would say there are fewer competitors back then. So your value proposition has to be fine, but you were only competing with a few. Now that we see hundreds of FDM uh, manufacturer, DLP or SLA, um, while it's great for the industry that so many uh, manufacturers uh, uh, ha have entered the industry in doing marketing and webinars and promotion and trade show, it's good for the 3D printing industry as a whole. But, but that also means for the business people, the sales people, that they really need to hone in the value proposition. I, I think Tuan, this gives us uh, insights about the whole 3D printing industry and its journey. And I think what you shared is quite exciting. You know how the industry has grown in the past 16 years, and and something you're doing now you're with your current company, Aravo, is also quite cutting edge work. You know where you're developing new designs with carbon fiber using 3D printing. And I think the USP of Aravo is single frame parts which make products like bikes as light in weight as water bottles. I think that is really next level innovation. But managing revenue to support that level of R&D and innovation must be a challenging task. You know? So what is the formula in cracking this puzzle, really? Um, so I always like to work for smaller companies. So to answer your question, uh, Arrivo is quite unique because it's actually uh, spent the last six years in stealth, um, uh, maturing the technology and product. And I started talking to them since last summer and I thought that they were ready for commercialization to deploy the equipment, that it was good enough. It can always be better, but after six years and what I've seen, um, it's really the software that was very powerful. Uh, yes, we did do, uh, we thought about um, uh, the traditional way of doing 3D printing sales is uh, you create a product, a 3D printer. It usually take 18 to 24 months to make a new technology 3D printer and then you have to uh, promote it. And often what you do is you work with a few pioneer customer, beta customer, and you hope it's a big brand name so that you can have their brand working on a case study 
using your technology in their brand and then launch and say, hey, this is actually what we can do. And you want to do that for a few different uh, applications uh, to do so. But as a young company, you have to do a marketing hack, right? So in most companies that I work for, traditionally, sales is the guy, the team that makes the revenue, and marketing is those who are good at spending uh, the money, right? Um, so, but we did something different here at uh, at uh, Avivo, and it's really um, the, the 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 new thinking at Avivo. So, in growing up, Avivo also brought in a new CEO besides me on the business side, uh, Sonny Wu. He did the uh, Misfit wearables before the iWatch existed uh, uh, that we see today, and he sold that to Fossil Watch Group. Uh, 260 million. So uh, he is super strong in business to consumer and branding. He has really good taste. Uh, I have a strong business to business 3D printing hardware side. So together we thought, could we fast track? What if marketing actually uh, can make money for the company? Why do we wait uh, for working with finding somebody, backing some big brand to work with us. Why don't we show them what they can do? Because Arriva actually started doing prototyping of uh, uh, e-bikes uh, already uh, over two years ago. Uh, the first prototype was called the Emery that we did with a local brand. Just to get some learning, you have to, it's all about practice, right? Practice is uh, what makes you become a champion. And then we did an e-scooter last year and we thought we were ready. And as uh, technology keep progressing, we wanted to showcase what we are doing. So to answer your question, we wanted to, we thought that uh, the uh, bike, e-bike industry is primed for disruption, uh, for democratization of the bike industry. Um, we wanted to change the way things are made for bikes. Uh, I want to focus more on e-bike because it's a newer application and you don't have so much friction and resistance of, uh, of new way of thinking. Um, so we focus a lot on e-bike. And also for the timing with COVID and people want to be healthy, sustainability, uh, battery versus uh, burning gas. Um, uh, e-bike is, is a good timing. It is exploding right now. And uh, I predict that there will easily be 10 million more e-bikes globally being deployed as people don't want to take a, a, a commute in a crowded bus or train um, for urban mobility. I think uh, people would choose a healthier lifestyle. If you just want to buy grocery, you just take your e-bike. You, you don't want to be close to people you are outdoor instead of taking public transportation or an Uber if it's just a... Uh, a few miles from your home. So the Superstrata is a campaign. We want us to showcase that um, what is possible using the technology, but we also, uh, we are a Revo. We are a 3D printing company. So we didn't want to call it a Revo because we are a 3D printing company, not a bike company. But why did you do the Superstrata? Because we can, because we, we our technology can do so. But we are also in delivery drones, uh, automotive, transportation, eVTOL for flying cars, um, uh, consumer goods, uh, construction. So you should expect the technology to have other uh, industries and applications as well because we want to show 
the versatility because a 3D printer is uh, is uh, just a tool and it's one of the latest tool and and if you don't use that tool you might lose your competitive advantage thank you too. and i think that gives an interesting uh, you know futuristic view in what's happening and i uh, and obviously the importance is shifting from which technology to what the end product is because i think that's what is making uh, you know the technology move from just special to a speciality so people don't want to don't uh, you know don't worry about what technology it's made by it's also the end use and what the product uh, you know is but uh, you know based on current times i think covid-19 has tanked uh, a part of the economy to a new low you know so receiving new investments our financing isn't exactly on cards for 3d printing startups despite technological research innovation and development being at an all time high what is your advice to 3d printing startups out there to you know, kind of bear this storm and stay afloat to really uh, reap benefits later what would you advise them with i would still say if you have value you have the technology the vision the application the disruption you still able to raise money so you saw example of eris composites uh, using robotic and composite and they raised 48 and a half million recently you saw velo raising over 28 million uh, for for technology yes uh, if you don't have enough um, typically 3d uh, not 3d printing but startup in general they usually have at least 6 months run uh, uh, runway to to last but with covid everything slowing down they need to extend that to 18 months uh, if you don't have enough money for lasting for 18 months doing a downturn um you you better start uh, raising money or get it somehow or, or teaming up with somebody so i would say um um uh, for for the young startup they should really try to raise money it's hard but it's not impossible uh, it also forces them to hone in their their spending but i would not be surprised during this recession uh, that there will be a uh, consolidation a huge amount of consolidation you will see a lot of people uh, being let go but uh, i i predict uh, including myself uh, that i love 3d printing so i want to stay in 3d printing so i think there will be still working on new 3d printing startup and i this is why i predict that there will be new player entering the market because they are more affordable to acquire now right you saw recent years when um xerox uh, acquired the vader system with metallic droplet uh, uh, metal jetting uh, wanting to be into 3d printing and if they wanted to expand their portfolio and uh, now is a great time if not 6 months or even a greater time to acquire other companies so the landscape will change again but if you look at it back then the last recession we had in 2008 uh but also timing with the uh, expiration of the core stratasys fdm uh, patent expiring 2009 at the bottom of the recession uh, was when uh, makerbot start to uh, emerge Uh, so timing and uh, pens being expired open uh, a a a growth for 3d printing over 2010 2011 you saw the rise of almost 400 uh, fdm manufacturer a lot of them could not uh, survive and we had a clean up over the years but 
because the, uh, there's still a lot of innovation as the people still want to stay in the industry and new money is coming in. So um, Arriba, we ha we're having a unique technology. I joined the company and, and to have moving into the growth phase, uh, we also were uh, raising funding. And uh, if you ha have the right vision, the right team, the right technology maturity, uh, it is still possible. And uh, we uh, are having a great time doing so. Uh, and more news on that later. Uh, but you need money to fuel innovation. Uh, it doesn't come for free. But uh, if you can convert things like marketing not being a, a cost center, but a, a money-making uh, profit center like we use our marketing team uh, and using contractors, um, enable us to inspire and still making applications story around so so um but to answer your question for what the younger startups should do is also uh maybe it's time for partnership as well maybe team up with if you need a centering for you to finish your product maybe you should team up and collaborate you in the past when there was so much money uh, available um, you just do everything in-house. You want to do everything in-house. You want to do a printer. You want to do a deep binder. You want to do a sinking furnace. With COVID, it probably means maybe you shouldn't invent all here. You shouldn't do it all and have people to do it. Maybe you should team up with people and collaborate. You do not have to do everything yourself. Because for startup, my, 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 uh, my advice to all startup in 3D printing in particular is that you got to focus. Yes, there are a lot of things that is available to you then you can choose to, to tackle, but you don't have that uh, unlimited amount of resource or, or, or funding. So be selective and focus on the few things. You know the 80-20 rules still apply. If you focus on the 20% of the things that can make an 80% impact on your revenue, do that first. So you need to, to sharpen uh, you need to tighten the belt because uh, this recession is going to be here for quite a while. So you have to adapt to the new normal. The new normal is virtual. So sales and marketing, you have to move to uh, virtual, to Zoom, to webinar, to virtual conferences. You need to be out there. Thank you, Tuan. I think this uh, is great advice for startups and new companies across, you know, not necessarily 3D printing. Uh, just to sum up, our uh, discussion today, uh, you know, in continuation with above and, and you know, various discussions we've had on this call, uh, what does the roadmap for Arevo look like from here on? Maybe you can just summarize uh, where Arevo is looking at going and, you know, how, how that's going to change the landscape in, in a few words, maybe. Sure. Um, so we are robotic uh, continuous carbon fiber uh, 3D printing company. So what we are working on is really doing uh, our vision is to build a network of manufacturing as a service a lot of print farms around the world we're going to print our first uh, the largest in the world uh, we're starting with 12 um, aqua printers and we're growing that to 120 and more and we will work with partners to do similar uh, print farm in the us in uh, uae in japan and other places so you should expect our technology to, uh, with robotic arm, you can get a bigger robot arm and you're using one or two heads. Um, so you should see more material offering. You should see even bigger robot 
a bigger part, bigger built envelope, uh, new material, but more importantly for doing uh, uh, production is the uh, deposition rate, that it will become much more productive, it will print much faster. So uh, we have a vision that we believe that uh, eventually we can get our process optimized that you can print a whole uh, um, carbon fiber bike frame within 15 hours. So that means if you can think of a new design, you can print in 15 hours, let's say 6 a.m. in the morning, you have something later in the evening, and if you work overnight, putting all the components, sanding, painting, assembly, you can have a bike the very next day. So speed and throughput and changing the way uh, you enable customers to make more um, product launches and, and more customization is the future. And so bigger um, and more powerful software. So it uh, it's going to be an interesting journey in composites for me. Thank you, Tuan. And, uh, you know, it's been an interesting discussion today. And I think, uh, as, as Abhishek mentioned at the start, I think your journey, personal and professional, has been quite inspirational for a lot of, you know, new entrants, new uh, new uh, professionals in this business who could really take uh, some sort of, you know, thought or inspiration from what you're doing and, and improve their business or improve their uh, processes as well. So thanks a lot once again for joining us today. and. Uh, you know, with that, we'd like to sign off the podcast. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. That brings us to the end of this episode. Visit amchronicle.com for more updates on additive manufacturing and follow the Indian 3D Printing Network and AM Chronicle pages on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening and see you next week.